ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. So before we begin today, I just want to let you know that today's Purpose Girl podcast may have some explicit language and some daring topics. So if you are listening to this with your kids, you just take discretion at whatever feels right for you. So years ago, I remember the first time I had sex with a man and having no idea, honestly, no idea what do I do with his cock. I'm just going to be totally, totally honest. And... I was embarrassed and I thought I was supposed to know. And then as I got into a relationship with him and he became my first husband, I still thought, oh, I'm supposed to act really sexy. I'm supposed to, you know, be in these particular poses. But I really had no idea what I was doing. And I also felt really embarrassed about asking him for what I wanted or telling him what I needed. I remember faking orgasms often, and not just with my first husband. I faked orgasms for a long time with just about every partner I had until my current husband, I was faking some orgasms at the beginning of our relationship, and he made me promise to never, ever do that again, which turned out to be a huge gift for me because since I'm all about women being their happiest selves, their best selves, us really rocking it out, fully expressed, fully living our lives, how are we fully living our lives if we're faking our joy, if we're faking the orgasm? We're not. An empowered woman is able to say, here's what I need. Here's what I want. Hey, honey, can you try this? Hey, can you try that? I'd love for you to do this. And so I am realizing in the last year or two, how important sex is to our happiness. It's a topic that I had completely left out of women's happiness. And I realized that a woman in her femininity, for us to be our most powerful self, we have to be sensual beings. We are sensual beings. We have to enjoy our sensuality, our sexuality. And so this is a topic you're going to hear over and over again on the Purpose Girl podcast. And my guest today is the very best, the very best one to teach us everything that we need to know about being that woman who takes control of our own sexual pleasure. And let me tell you this, let me promise you this, a woman in her pleasure will save the world. Because when you're in your pleasure, when you're in your joy, you are so much different around your kids. I'm not saying that they have to see you be in your pleasure, but you feeling pleasure, your temper is going to be less. You and your pleasure You're going to actually be more open to ideas and to your dreams. You and your pleasure, you're going to have fun and flirt with the world. You don't have to get so angry at the Verizon or whatever provider is frustrating you. You can almost flirt with them. And that's something that I'm learning. And like I said, my guest today is the very best to teach us. So my guest today is my dear friend and colleague, Beth Liebling. Beth formerly was a family lawyer, mostly divorced. We're going to talk about that. And left that to create what she needed in the world. 
She's the founder of Darling Way, which is a sexy luxury boutique outside of Houston. She is the host of the radio show Love and Laughter with Beth on ESPN Houston. She has been on multiple media channels. She's a mother of five, a grandmother, and she is the author of an incredible book that I have been reading all during my vacation over the last week and having such a good time with it called Love and Laughter, Sexy, Meaningful Fun for Everyone. Beth, welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. Thank you so much, Karen, for having me. I am so excited. And that was really one of the kindest intros I've had ever. Thank you. Oh, it is my pleasure. You inspire me. I, Beth and I participated in a women's program and I got to witness, I would sit back, there were 500 women and Beth, it was like sprinkling fairy dust all over the other women to have us each kind of get more into our sensuality, into our own like glittery joy. And that is what you do. So I want to hear a little bit. So love and laughter, sexy, meaningful fun. So I love this because, you know, often we think we're not supposed to like laugh during sex or have fun with it. So, so why is the book called love and laughter, sexy, meaningful fun? Because I think that somehow or another, our world, we've gotten to the point where somehow we think that either sex is really ultra raunchy think howard stern poking fun at people um Mm. completely um without any sort of emotional tie but just this physical something and mostly not a good thing not something that makes you really smile and joy but something that feels like i don't know that word dirty it's a weird you know there's something not it's a negative connotation or we think that sexy is this ultra serious very somber okay we're going to make love and there's only one way to make love Mm. it has to be quiet and serious and oh and it it really just shuts us down and i think in the middle it's this part where we celebrate it and we appreciate it we recognize the significance and the meaning and the joy and the pleasure and really the intimacy and that comes when we are all there when we can laugh with each other when we can laugh at what's going on together when we can recognize how silly it is, and yet still how incredibly meaningful, how it takes us out of this world, out of our bodies, out of our minds, and it joins us. To me, when you've got love and laughter and you've got the physical, emotional, and sexual intimacy, it is as close to a divine connection as you get. And that's, they always go together. They should, love and laughter, they should always go together. I say we have two hands. That's why. Oh, I love that. I love that. And you're so right. We do often think of sex as this making love and it's going to be slow or raunchy. Just, you know, I'll just say it. It's my own podcast. I can say they're just fucking, you know, it's like so. And you're right. That's sometimes maybe we want one or the other, but most often we want that in the middle. Or if we even if we want one or the other, that's totally okay, but not all the time. Mm hmm. It's that idea that we shouldn't be stuck with anything. If you want a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, once in a while, and it just (laughs) makes you laugh, and because you've still, you know where that middle is, and really you're doing it, and you're going extreme because it's extreme. That's cool and exciting. And when you're going to that extreme where, where you just need that bond, and you need it to be slow, and you need it to just be heartfelt in every single moment, and every single feeling, to matter, to remind you of something, to to bring you back Mm. to life, that's good. Mm. But not when you're stuck in any one of those places. Right. I want the continuum. Thank you. Yes. 
And where I think a lot of women are stuck is in neither. So just not being interested in sex or feeling like it's a chore or feeling like they're supposed to like it and don't. I don't know how many women fake orgasms, but I would bet it's a very, very high percentage. So what's going on here with, with women and not enjoying sex? I think that we are pretty much every woman. We're given a, two choices when we're, when we're born. Um, as we grow up, we are allowed to be either good girls or sluts. And I say, and slut has nothing to do with how many people you've actually had sex with. Slut has to do with whether or not somebody looks at you and they think about sex. Because we label, we can label a 10-year-old, a 9-year-old, um, a 12-year-old, a slut. They don't know anything about sex, right? Sex is actually context. So that word slut, we kind of, it makes us think of sex and we think it's inappropriate when we see them. So we label them a slut and it's weird. It's um, projection, something weird, whatever. But you're so, you're so right. This is, uh, this is something I really, I, I've been to one of your workshops, which I just had a ball at and I learned so Thank much you. and had an opportunity to actually like share and speak my truth instead of being embarrassed. So I appreciate you for that. Um, any of you who get an opportunity to attend one of Beth's workshops or her, her classes, we'll, we'll give you some links for that later. But so I had that opportunity. I remember you talking about this in your workshop and then I read it again in your book. And it's true when a girl or a woman of any age dresses in a midriff shirt or Mm -hmm. a low cut top. I was out to dinner with a couple of other women recently and one of the women at the table said, oh my God, can you believe that woman over there? She's, She's not wearing a bra and her boobs are hanging out. And I said, good for her. You know, and this woman was a little taken aback to the point where, like, she felt embarrassed that, oh, no, no, you must think I'm so judgmental. And I said, it's, listen, it's, it's, that's you. It's okay. And I am just, I, I want to take a stand for every woman. You want to dress with, you know, your, a low cut top, you go for it, woman. Good for you for, for feeling that. So, so you're right. We judge other people, including little girls. And then these girls get labeled. Right. And we somehow grow up thinking we're taught that we're supposed to love. You know, I laugh every time I go through a Target or any kind of store and I see love more, love matters, love makes the world go round. (laughs) And I laugh and I think that's lovely. But really, as women, they think somehow that we're supposed to do all this just from our heart, because as soon as we want to do it with our bodies, Mm. then we get completely shamed. That that's when that, oh, slut, wait, you enjoy loving from your body, not just your heart. We get shut down. And how can we reconcile that? That's not right. We're supposed to love our husbands, our boyfriends, our partners. Um, and yet we're not supposed to enjoy any sensual pleasure. Right. It's this is so interesting. So we're we're raised. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So we're raised all trying. You want to be a good girl. You want to be a good girl. Be nice. Be good. Be good. Be good. And then the moment that we're in an intimate relationship. We're almost right. expected to be a slut, right? It's then it's like now, now I want it's like I want to take you home to my mom, but I also want you to be expressive and you know fully give me the blowjob or whatever it is in the bedroom, and that's very confusing, right? And it and it can't work. Mm-hmm. And the weird part is the boys are a little confused too because you'll hear them say when I talk to men, I laugh when they tell me they used to do this and this and this to the woman who is now their wife or the mother of the ch- their child. But now they say, but I would never do that because now she's the wife. She's the mother of my child. I say, but before you both had the sexy fun, why don't you do that? Well, things are different now because they don't know any more than we do. 
Mm. And that's why that old phrase, that's the kind of girl you take home to mom and that's the kind of girl you don't, right? I hate that. And that's, we need to get away from that. And so I try to back people up because this is where we are, but why and, and how? And one of the things I think that we've completely lost sight of is the difference between sensuality and sexuality, okay? And they can merge, but but I tell people, women, we need to get in touch first with our sensuality. Mm. And the way that we know, right, humans were born as sensual creatures. And in fact, if you can look at in utero, you'll see infants in, um, in, in utero with their finger in their mouth. And babies will come out and they'll suck their thumb. Huh. Well, if you don't think that thumb sucking is one of the most sensual acts a person can do, that's crazy. Right? That is so incredibly sensual and soothing. We need that sensual touch from ourselves and from others. And yet somehow we're totally okay with, with the sucking of the thumb. But then when it goes to the rest of our body and we try to start exploring, if we're stroking, if we stroke our hair, that's okay. If we stroke our breasts, that may not be okay. If we stroke you know, our hand when we're nervous or our arm because we're nervous, that, that's okay. But if we stroke our pussy because it gives us pleasure, that's not really okay. So we need to back up and we need as women to learn to get in touch with the fact that it's okay. And we need to learn to enjoy the, the sensual pleasures from our body. And then we can move over and add context to it in terms of sex if we want to. Right. This is so, they are different. I love this, right? Sensuality is really being in touch with all of your senses. So the sense of touch and the sense yes. of smell and the sense of sight and the, the sense of taste. And women are sensual beings. We are born to be sensual beings. And something I love that you say in your book, this is um, just so incredible. You say, trying to succeed while hiding our feminine soul is a bit like asking the sun to light up our days while hiding its rays behind the moon, right? So asking us to be these like powerhouse, successful, you know, moms, successful business people, successful, whatever it might be for you, but hiding your feminine sensuality, it, it just doesn't work. It's like you're cutting, you're cutting off half of your body. And I love what you're saying. You're right. Sucking your thumb we totally think is okay for a child. We do think it's okay for them to rub their hands together if, if they're nervous, but they're not supposed to touch their breasts or touch their pussy or for a boy touch his penis. And we need to make this okay. There are ways to, to teach it. And I would love it. So how would you, it's a little bit, I want to get back to women, but real quick, what would you say to a parent who's experiencing their child touching themselves? How, how can they teach their child to have integrity with touching themselves and feel feel like it's okay not shaming, um, but still maybe do it in a way that's quote unquote appropriate to society. I I think that we teach them to really to truly to love every part of themselves. And yet there are certain times where certain behaviors are okay. Mm -hmm. And I liken it just to at home at the dinner table, it's perfectly okay to talk at a reasonable voice. It's okay to yell louder outside on the playground. When you go to a church or a synagogue, you, you whisper and you sit quietly as much as possible. So we can touch ourselves in certain ways in public, and then we can touch ourselves and do certain things in privacy. Um, farting and burping is not usually a good thing to do <laughs> at the dinner table. And I do. I put it just in these terms You're because right. it's it why makes us laugh. It's so silly. Of course, we and we all understand that. And so that way we're laughing with people. We're not shaming them. 
And right. that's the thing, because we all burp and fart and we just laugh with them. So when you want to do that, when you need to do that, you excuse yourself. Right. And the same thing with where you touch certain places. Yes. And and that way it, it becomes so easy when we have this ability, when we can share these ideas with each other, instead of it just being this idea of, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed because everybody does it. Every, yes. And everybody should do it. Everybody yes. should. Yes. And yet I'm, thank you so much. This is so good because when I, I have though met a lot of women who did feel shamed around touching themselves around self-pleasure or masturbation because they heard in church that it was bad and wrong and a sin or their parents told them that they weren't supposed to do that or good girls don't do that. And so I love, I want to get back yes. to you were saying this distinction between sensuality and sexuality. How do we get into our sensuality? It sounds like you're saying a woman needs to first get into her sensuality. How do we do that and become comfortable with then moving into sexuality? So my journey is because I, I'm coming from a place, I'm healing myself through this journey, just like I'm trying to help others. Um, and so my, my journey was really, I grew up not getting any affection at, at home or from um, pretty much anywhere. So somehow I grew up as a kid needing and, des and desiring this physical attention and affection. I thought the only way to find it was through sex. I just needed to be touched. I needed that sensual feeling and that sense of comfort that comes. And I found it through sex. Um, then I got married to a man and was married for 22 years to a man who didn't even like me, right? That, that's how bad I was. So I don't want people to feel bad because I, I know this journey. I, I know it very well. I hated myself. Mm. I didn't feel worthy of love. I had sex the whole time, but I was playing that role of, of slut. I just did. I, as you said earlier, I tried to act sexy. I did the, you know, ABC to get to D and, and there it was. What I had to learn was to slow down after I, after I left my, uh, my husband and I split up and I was alone. I had to learn literally to love myself. I mm. looked around and really I needed love and I needed to be the one to give it to myself first. And so I started just trying to be kind to my body, to touching my body. And the journey then through starting to do that, then became, I learned when to separate and understand that sex is different than affection, is different than sensuality, is different than love, is different than comfort. And now I literally ask myself when I'm craving something, I say, what do, what am I actually wanting? Do I actually want sex? Do I want orgasm? Do I want to be with somebody? Am I looking just for affection? And that for me, that simple slow down and go into my head and, and identify them, that lawyer part of me. Mm -hmm. I love this. So, so this, I just want to kind of put like a picture frame around it to really highlight this, to slow down when we crave something, what are we craving? And really mm -hmm. get to know there, there's a couple of things I, w I want to put a, a frame around to really ask ourselves, what is it that I'm actually wanting right now? And not to just jump in because I'm supposed to do X or Y or not supposed to do X or Y. And then the other thing that is so important is, you know, I, I'm so sorry about your marriage. I, you know, 22 years with someone oh. who didn't like you when to me, you are so freaking not only likable, you're so lovable. Like who wouldn't love you? Um, his loss entirely. The idea though, that 22 years of him saying mean things to you or not loving you is going to leave 
you and anyone who experiences that in a real place of self-loathing, a real place of feeling like you're wrong or bad or you know, all of you know, just not mm -hmm. liking yourself. And so that the journey isn't, well, okay, who can I go marry now? The, the journey is coming to love yourself first. That's so profound. Right. Right. And that's why I want people to know that because I don't think that this is just a natural, you don't just start and you're either born a great lover or you're not. It, it really is. What do we do and how do we, um, how do we learn? I think that we all need coaching. We need mm. coaching in whether it's our golf game or our, you know, workout training or physical therapy or our emotional health or learning to be good lovers. And we don't get any coaching in that sense. So, um, so don't be surprised. And I think that's the first thing is, is open up. And then, but this is why, even though for 22 years, I was having regular sex. There are a lot of people out there that are having sex right now with their partners. And frankly, they may even love their partners, but they're having some sort of sex and it's still not satisfying them. And I think it's because they don't really know what those things are. They're, they're lumping all of that together. And really what they might be craving is emotional intimacy and for women, just the sexual act may not be fulfilling that emotional intimacy. Right. So they're having sex, but they're not actually, it's not, it's not hitting the spot. I say it's like eating sugar when you really need some protein. And um, so if we can parse that out, it just will make it easier. And then once we understand what it is we're missing, then it's so easy to help fill in the blanks and for us to help people get what they want mm. and to coach people you know, you coached me, I coach you. It's, it's just lovely. And the more we share our love stories, God, the more we learn and the more ideas we have and the more we learn it's okay. And that's, I wish I could go back. I wish I could have coached myself when I was so young. Right. Well, this is such a good point. We, we aren't coached. We are coached. And mm -hmm. we, you know, sex is a huge part of living a life well-lived. It's natural. It's a hundred percent natural. Our bodies are meant to do it. And we are taught everything in school where now kids are even taught finances and they're taught like all these things about how to live life and no one's teaching us sex. In fact, I was speaking with a mother recently who was saying that her, one of her teenage sons, I think he might be 13. So a young teen came home from a friend's house and told her they have a good enough relationship. He told her that they were watching porn. And he said, is that what it's really like? And she said, oh, no, you know, like, oh, no, that is not what it's like. Right. And so men too, mm -hmm. boys, they're there. You have they're learning this idea that sex is something that frankly is not what most women want. But most women I know, Beth, myself included, like this has really been part of my journey don't know what they want in bed, in sexuality. No. And if they have an inkling, they don't know how to ask for it because maybe they think it's wrong. Right. We all have that. So one of the examples I give in my book is that 10 years into my marriage in, in a really pitiful state, in fact, we were separated. I was drunk and I don't really drink. So it took those extreme things. I actually asked my husband then to spank me. And I had never asked for anything before, but then when I did, he freaked out. I was so ashamed because he freaked out. We, it was awkward. It was uncomfortable. And we were together 12 more years. I never asked for another thing from him sexually. And that's, I, again, I tell people this 
because I know how difficult it is. And now when I look back, I tell them, I would coach myself. I would, I would tell my young self that, look, you're going to ask for something you're entitled to, and it's okay. And even though it feels a little bit weird, the fact is, is what you want, if it's consensual, it's still, it's okay. And frankly, spanking, they're, that's one of the most commonly desired hmm. sexy fantasies. It's crazy. I mean, crazy in a good sense. When I say that, I mean, we're all crazy and it's wonderful and we laugh together, right? Again, I because I want this. But now I would coach and say, you are going to rock the boat. He's been in this calm water. You've been there together and you're going to rock the boat and that can be scary. And it's okay, but you just need to give your partner time to let them get used to the rocking and really learn to even appreciate that a rocking boat is a little bit more exciting than just uh, than, than calm waters all the time. But when yeah. you have the confidence, then you can allow them that without feeling like, because they're scared, then you back off and think, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then I would coach him that, look, it's okay, even if you don't know what to do, because we don't. Learning about sex from porn is as ridiculous as learning to drive from watching The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Good analogy. Yes. Yeah. But, but men, they don't have any place to look and to learn about sex. Our, our sex education teaches anatomy and biology and that's it. There's so much more to it. In fact, that's the least of it. And so it is ridiculous to expect that people actually know what to do. It makes much more sense for us to realize that we need to learn what to do and we need to learn different options. And in the book, I think of it as creating a menu of sexual expression for people so they can read through the de descriptions and say, okay, I'd like to try this tonight. They don't have to have it every night, but they can try it and they can say, yes, I like it or no, I don't. Sometimes you have to try things two or three times to figure out whether or not the taste is just whether the rocking of the boat is too much or whether you really just don't like it. Right. You have to try. It's like you go to a Mexican restaurant for the first time. You've got to try the spicy salsa and the medium salsa and then you need, right? But it's right. A, in order to know what it is that you like and there's permission that you're going to like different things at different times. It's something yeah. I think that you you do so much so well in this book and something that I so appreciated is that you do go into you do give that menu. You go into all the different kinds of sex toys that you might use, everything from vibrators to butt plugs to nipple clamps. And so anytime, I know the first 20 times I went into a sex store, I was totally intimidated. I had no idea. And it's only very, very, very recently since getting to know you, since being in the women's program that we were in, that I, I'm more comfortable walking in. I still don't know what, you know, three quarters of the stuff is, but I'm at least comfortable saying, asking. Yeah. And that's, so I think of it when we use the term sex toys, again, I'm this literal lawyer. I'm very strange combination of rational lawyer and, and hopeful romantic idealist. <laughs> but the words we use matter. When we use the word sex toys, we imply that they're, they're dismissive, that they're meaningless. Mm. But I prefer to call them romantic props. Ooh, Again, yes. because that means we can create romantic shows and we should have a prop closet full of opportunities because that way we try, we can use them and we have to practice with them. You don't just use, you don't just do a stage show the first night and have it be opening night and everything's great. <laughs> you have rehearsals, you have things go wrong and the right prop at the right time can really can just transform a whole show, but the right prop used wrong or the wrong prop at a time, it can kind of take the whole show down. So um, I like that idea. And I think it, it, it again, gives us more permission and respectability as mature adults who want to explore this, that 
it's it's good. These things matter and the quality matters. And so the other kind the, the stores that you are thinking of that are traditionally called sex stores, like I very they're very orgasm stores. They're just they're trying to get you to an orgasm and that's it. And they they're not necessarily warm, fuzzy, they're not even necessarily exciting. They kind of shut you down. Hmm. What I tried to do when I started my shop Darling Way, I created the place I needed. I wanted to shop in this place, but it didn't exist. And I think it's still, I'm very proud of it. It is completely unique because when you walk in there, I swear you feel love immediately. And and you don't feel that pretty much, you don't feel that at a department store. You don't feel that at almost any other place, but because it's the meaning, it's the relationship that matters so much to me. And when you come into Darling Way, if you haven't, if, if you're in search of an orgasm and stuff too, that can be part of it. That's great. But what we're all about is relationship. And I tell people, you come to Darling Way, we'll love you until you learn to love yourself. When you love yourself, we'll help you learn how to love other people too if you want to. Ooh. This is so good, Beth. I wish that you, I want you to open up a chain. I mean, you're so right that I'm thinking of a, of a quote unquote typical sex store that I went into once in, I think it was Miami or Fort Lauderdale at, with, with a, a boyfriend at the time. This is probably 10 years ago. And it was just video after video after video, yeah. vibrator after vibrator. It was gross. I mean, I, I, yeah. it, it, and, and not there's anything wrong with videos. I happen to like a video every once in a while and I happen to really like a vibrator every once in a while. It's just yeah. that the environment felt gross. Right. It seemed dirty, and I don't mean dirty and like sexy dirty. I mean like literally dirt. And and it wasn't this experience. I've looked up your store online. Um, I can't wait to actually come in and visit. It seems like the kind of boutique I would want to go shop in for clothes, you know. And yes, yes, it's beautiful because it feels good. And that's uh, anyway. I I get so passionate about this, and I don't mean to distract. But part of it is is because people don't realize you can have this. They don't know that you can talk about love and sex and romance and orgasm in a way that really does bring out your best. Yes. And that's what we do. And beauty, gosh, we we took sex out of families. We took beauty out of sex. Um, we took feeling good out of sex. And and at Darling Way, we put all of that back in there as well as the fun, the the laughter. And that's that's the first step is is learning that it's okay. And when we don't know something, instead of being ashamed and shutting down, we laugh about it. And um, I didn't know so much about this stuff until until after I got divorced. And, and I said, before then, I could go to one of the stores and I'd buy a vibrator, but I would go home and I'd have no idea how to use it. I still didn't have any confidence. Um, it was ridiculous. And so that's why we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And and that's what you get. You get knowledge. You get comfort. You get a sense of community because it's so interesting and fun when, when people are there. And I'll sell vibrators to 80-year-old couples. And I'll, sell, I'll talk to virgins before they get married about what to expect and how to make it good. And, um, and once we start talking, it's amazing. You can, you can join in, even with people you don't know, because... It's this permission of we're all in this together. This is our journey. And it it is. It's what makes life worth living because if love, you know, is all there is, it's that physical love is definitely part of it. And it has to be for it to be full. And um, so the joy and pleasure of somebody who's put something, a piece of lingerie on, and it makes them feel so good. And that's that's the difference. I say other places, lingerie is about 
somebody wearing something and trying to turn somebody else on. Oh, right. That's not it. And I know that. That's why men say they buy lingerie for their women. And the women are like, no, because if my husband had bought stuff for me, I thought he wanted me to look like that poster child at Victoria's Secret or he wanted this or that. And I didn't look good. I didn't feel good in it. And I was mad at myself because I didn't look like what I thought he wanted in it. Right. So a darling way, yeah, it's about what kind, you know, what do you feel good about in your body? What makes, what colors make you feel good? What makes you feel powerful? And, and try something on that maybe you didn't know, but you'll see it in your eyes when it just, hmm. it, it just brings your inner self out and it is phenomenal. Oh, I love this. I love this. It's about like dressing for yourself, turning yourself yeah. on. It's, um, I also, since doing our women's program, have gotten into doing strip teases. And Ooh. I would have in the past thought that the strip tease was for someone else. Yeah. And I now know I'm putting the lingerie on for myself to feel sexy, to feel beautiful, to feel exotic yes. and erotic. And then I start doing a strip tease. It was just our anniversary. And I started doing a strip tease. And it's lovely that he got to witness me enjoying myself, but it was for me first and foremost and turning myself on. And then as I turned myself on, then of course he was turned on and we had, you know, beautiful sex and fun and all of that. And yes. it is the shift that yes. someone somewhere taught us, especially I think as women, that our bodies are for men. Our bodies yes. are for a partner. And that is not the case. Our bodies are for ourselves. And I once did another Purpose Girl podcast several episodes ago about sex when I was really learning about our own anatomy in a way that I hadn't before, that a woman's clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings, is literally designed. There's no other purpose for the clitoris. It doesn't do anything for us. It doesn't help us have a baby. It doesn't help us become a CEO of a company. Its only job is pleasure. And yes. men, men's penises, they only have 4,000 um, nerve endings. So our clit we are literally women are designed for pleasure and when we don't yes. have it when we aren't claiming it you're literally cutting off a huge piece of yourself and your own yes. opportunity for to be a whole woman who experiences a full life yes this example may resonate with um some of your audience just like it really it does to me because uh, as a lawyer the more successful i got and i was a board certified family lawyer i was you know, yeah, I, I was a very successful lawyer. And you were working on divorce, right? I mean, that's what you did a lot. Absolutely. But as I became more successful, I had to button up more, right? My skirts couldn't be too short. My heels couldn't be too high. I couldn't wear too much makeup. I tried to become more and more sort of masculine so that I, I just had this appearance and stuff because somehow I thought that's what lawyers had. But now, now I was uh, I was arguing with um, a lawyer who was some guy who was telling me he's like, oh these these women today, they the lawyers they want us to open the doors for them as they go into the courtroom, but once they get into that courtroom, then they use all of their you know they want equality, but they want to use all their feminine wiles against us, and that's you can't have it both ways. And I looked at him straight in the eye and I said, okay, I said so you want us to leave our power behind because feminine wiles, those are, that's power. So let me ask you, when was the last time you went up against a male lawyer whose wallet was bigger than yours? And you said to them, my client only has this much money. My client only has this much power at his disposal. So therefore you need to leave your big wallet outside and only bring in as much power as we have. 
And he looked at me and he was stunned. And I said, that's the difference. I am going to use what I've got at my disposal now and every day for the rest of my life because this is who I am. And if you don't like that Michael Phelps has slight webbing or something on his hands or that his fingers are 12 inches long or whatever they are, that's <laughs> ridiculous. He still gets to go to the Olympics. You don't tell him, no, you have to cut back because other swimmers don't have that. Right. It is ridiculous that somehow that we have done this to women and women, we do it to women because I was there too. I did this, but it's silly. We need to start recognizing we have so much power and that, that clitoris, that ability to have remarkable pleasure that is light that radiates when people are happy. Oh, mm. it radiates. It's contagious. So if I'm in front of a jury again and I am contagious with happiness, I can't imagine. I don't care how big somebody else's wallet's going to be. It is not going to be my pleasure and my joy and my fierce commitment to what I believe. Yes. Oh, I love this. I love this. Right. We're told leave our femininity behind, but they bring their double masculinity, yes. right? They're going to bring their full aggression or full yes. into the courtroom. And this is so true, right? It's right. like, we're not saying go sleep with the judge. We're saying no. come in in your full pleasure, your full pleasured self. Come in confident in your feminine self. And there is nothing more attractive. And I don't mean attractive like sleeping with you. I mean like attracting in every dream you have, attracting in every goal you have, than a woman being in her full pleasure, her full joy. This is incredible. Right, because it's honest. And early when you started the, the podcast, I wrote down, you said that you would try to act really sexy. Yeah. That acting, that's faking. Yes. That's why it doesn't work. It doesn't feel good for you. It doesn't feel good to who's watching. Porn doesn't feel good to me because it's acting and it's not very well done. Brilliant <laughs> acting, Academy Award winning. Okay. But when we know somebody's acting because there's a slight discomfort and most of us can tell. You can tell a lawyer who, who doesn't really believe in their case. You can tell it. So it's when we are actually feeling that and how you express your sexual comfort, your, your, your energy, your sensuality, your, your energy, when that comes through as authentically you, that's the turn on. Karen, when you were talking about doing the striptease for your turn on, turn on does not necessarily have to mean that you're getting all wet and juicy. It doesn't have to be a sexual arousal. Turn on can simply be that full energy of life and embodied and um, jumping out of an airplane. Yeah. And fun. I mean, just Turning on toward, turning on toward life. Like, you know, fresh roses turn me on. Um, walking in nature turns me on. And you have a course coming up and it is from good girl to sexy siren. And this is so important because I know I was raised be good, be good, be good. So can you tell us a little bit about what this is? Cause I know a lot of us out there, that's what's actually a big piece of keeping us unhappy is that we're following what everyone else told us. So what does it mean to become a sexy siren? To me, a sexy siren is that being that authentic you, that whatever it is inside you that is that turn on of life that flips that happy switch, that pilot light, you know, flicks it on stronger instead of just barely flickering. That is who I want to bring out. Hmm. For some women, maybe they can find it as a very feminine, soft-spoken. Maybe um, if we're doing visual expressions, maybe it's a really lacy um, something outfit. For some women, maybe it's just wearing, um, I have a power bra that's got this metal little shield in the middle of it. And even if nobody sees it during the day, if I'm wearing it, I feel stronger. 
Ooh. So it's not a lacy feminine sexual energy or sensual, but it is a powerful something. And believe me, I feel like a sexy siren when I wear my power bra with nobody else seeing. So it's just digging underneath who we think we should be and actually learning to discover who we are. And we can have all sorts of different. On one day, we can be feel like this. And on one day, we can want that. One day, we want ice cream. One day, we want cookies. One day, we want <laughs> a really big steak. All okay. Oh, I love this. I love this. So so this four-week class, um, is it four, I made up that it's four. I think it is four parts, it is. right? Oh, it, it is, is. Okay. four weeks. It's going to be four weeks of September because I figured the kids are back in school, but we need to go back to school too. And yes. we need to start taking some, taking our life back and, and learning. Actually, it's not even back because we've never had it, but being able to learn and discover and find who we are. And we'll start with just, um, it's my four popular basically classes, which is the intro to this whole love and laughter approach. Then it's how to, to love yourself. Then it's the romantic props. And then it's all about oral pleasure because mm. there are a lot of people that are doing oral that aren't really enjoying it or don't understand it or awkward. And it really should be one of the most exciting, intimate, wonderful things, whether you're giving or receiving. And I can switch the, the way that you think about it in about a minute. Oh, my God. This class sounds amazing. And by the time you finish the four weeks, it's like you're in total. It sounds like you're empowered. You're really in your own powerful self. Yeah. Or at least well on your way. Yes. And then we can do more. <laughs> and we do these workshops all the time at Darling Way. They've been just so wonderful and I love them. And then I've got so many people living different places and even living in different parts of Houston that can't get to me. So that's why we're going to go online this time. And we're going to build this little community online, but we'll do it with a video call. You can have Q&A. And yet still do it from wherever in the world you are and learn and have fun. And I say, even if you're shy, especially if you're shy about this stuff, it's going to make a huge difference in, in your life. It just Ooh. does. I love this so much. Beth, where do people find out about you and about the course and about the shop? Okay, at darlingway.com. And that's D-A-R-L-I-N-G. And way is W-A-Y, darlingway.com. And we have events and uh, workshops, sex ed workshops under our events. And this is the From Good Girl to Sexy Siren, Secrets to Being a Great Lover. And then the book, Love and Laughter, Sexy, Meaningful, Fun for Everyone. They can get um, an electronic version on Amazon.com. And that it was an Amazon bestseller. So I'm very proud of it. And I appreciate your kind words also. Um, and they can also buy a print copy from DarlingWay.com. Fantastic. I've been, I've got it earmarked. I mean, you can tell I was able to pull up a passage right away. I have it earmarked. It's been really helpful for me as I've been on my own exploration and opening and discovering about what I desire sexually and learning. First of all, just having permission to want what I want and then mm -hmm. learning how to share that and how to ask for it and how to um, talk about it has been huge. And I'd say that's such, it's just such a huge gift of yours, Beth, is you make it, you give permission and you make it okay and you make it fun to talk about. And I just feel so blessed that you're in my life and I'm so grateful that you're on the podcast. So I'm going to ask you, one of the things I like to do with all my guests is a quick purpose power play round. And I'm just going to ask you a couple of quick questions and whatever's the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. 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 So one song that you love rocking out to. Taylor Swift, Shake It Off. Ooh, Shake It Off. Yeah, I, we need to do that all the time. I love it. <laughs> I needed to do that starting this business, trying to talk about sex in this kind of culture. It, um, it, It's a challenge. So that, yes, I like that one. 
I love that. I love that. And one thing that you recommend everybody do every single day. Remind yourself what's actually good about yourself, whatever that is. And it can be the same thing every day. It can be different every day, but you have to remind yourself of why you are worthy, why you are lovable, what you like about yourself. Because until we like ourselves, nobody else really is able to, or at least we're not able to feel them liking us. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been awesome. I want to have you back and we can dive into, maybe we'll dive into oral. Maybe we'll dive into, into props. So we'll definitely have you back here on the Purpose Girl podcast. And to everyone out there, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope that this opened your eyes, that it gave you permission to be yourself, to learn what it is that you need and want, because I am telling you, I ignored sexuality as part of happiness for a long time. And I am realizing that when you do that, you're just cutting off huge access to your full potential and your full joy and your purpose. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please, please, please rate it five stars, review it, tell us that you love it. And more importantly, most importantly, share it, share it with women that you know are struggling with, with this topic, share it with, with your friends, with your families, do a little book club around the podcast so that we empower women. We create a community of women around the world who are, are empowering each other to have the love, to have the joy, to have the laughter, to have the purpose and happiness that we all deserve. Of course, please follow me on Instagram, Karen Rockhind, on Facebook, Coach Karen Rockhind. Join our Purpose Girls group on Facebook. It's totally free. Just search for Purpose Girls. And every week I post inspirational questions and thoughts there. And of course, if you're not already getting my newsletter, that tells you when I'm doing retreats and tells you about all the upcoming events and gives you weekly tips and tools to be happy and live your purpose. You want to make sure you sign up for that at PurposeGirl.com. As always, thank you so much. May you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.